What is going on? Pastor Chris here with you on the Continuing the Conversation podcast. We are back with an all new semester. The spring semester has begun. Classes have started once again. In fact, I hope that as you're listening to this, as your week is going, I hope that your week is going well. I hope you have adjusted to your new class schedule, to maybe some new labs that you have, or or adjusting to your work schedule again, back into the routine of working, back into the routine of everything post Christmas and New Year's. I hope that you're in uh, and having a great week. Well, hey, we are beginning this journey this year, 2023. It's incredible that we're already into a new year, but we are starting off this year with an initiative, a 21-day prayer and fasting initiative. And we're kind of partnering with our our church holistically. Um, we, if you're if you're new to the podcast, or maybe you've been listening to along for a, a while now, um, we are affiliated with Bay Hope Church, which is a, a, ch- a church here in Tampa, Florida, and so we are an expression of that church for college age and young professionals at the University of South Florida, and so. As the harbor, we are going to be uh, joining in with a churchwide prayer, 21-day prayer movement. As well, we're adding a little bit of fasting to that. So um, we're, we're on a new journey here. And so over the, the next few episodes, we're actually going to discuss what it looks like to refocus our eyes, to refocus our heart's attention, to ref- or our heart's affection, our eyes' attention, to refocus our mind, our body, our soul back on the things of Jesus. So with that, that's what this first episode is going to be on. We're going to talk through what it looks like to refocus our heart's affections and our eyes' attention back to God through our mind and our thoughts. So with no further ado, episode one, here we go. Well, to start off this series, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 specifically. So if you have scripture with you, if you have a Bible with you, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we're going to be. And if you're listening to this while you're driving, I've said it uh, once, I'll say it again, please do not turn to a Bible, whether that's on your phone or uh, uh, an analog Bible, just listen to scripture. You can always go back in your phone and mark it or in your physical Bible and mark it. But we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. And it says this, starting in verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That again is Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. When I had graduated after my undergrad, I was in a season where I was leading worship a lot. Yes, I used to lead worship. If you did not know this about me, I grew up in a family that loved music. My dad, accomplished musician, uh, my sister sang in chorus in high school, would sing on the worship team myself. And so I used to lead worship at a college ministry here in Tampa, but I also used to do some other worship stuff around you know, the country. Um, and so there was a time where I was kind of doing that and to offset expenses, I would teach swimming. Now, I loved and thoroughly enjoyed teaching swimming to individuals who were older, who wanted to, uh, say, increase their speed and decrease their time when it came to swimming. Uh, most of them triathletes. I, I loved that because it, it was an incredible time to coach. But for the most part, I worked for a company who taught kids how to swim, taught little kids, three and four-year-olds how to swim. And I remember that when I was teaching or I was being taught to teach how to swim, this was, this was, this was different for me. I also growing up loved to swim. I used to swim, you know, I, I swam for a season and, and lifeguarded and during the summers and did all that stuff when I was as a teenager in high school and stuff, but teaching somebody to swim and trying to save somebody from drowning is, is two different things. And so I had to learn how to teach. And so with that, I had to sit through lessons. And one of those lessons is, you know, simple stuff like teaching a kid how to reach and pull and reaching and pulling just means you're, you know, doing overhead, you know, you're, you're, how to teach kids how to float and learn how to teach kids how to float on their back. In fact, one day I was doing this and I uh, had a, a three-year-old, four-year-old, um, I, was, I was helping him float in the water. Now you got to keep in mind as a three and four-year-old, you're terrified of these things. Like there's just not trust in the water. There's not, there's not trust that the water's going to keep you afloat, that the buoyancy of your body is going to keep you afloat. And so as an instructor, you're taught as a kid is on their back floating in the water, you're supposed to put your chin on their forehead and just kind of gently talk to them. You hold their shoulders. You want them to be close, but not close enough to where they feel you, but where they feel the water and they're trusting the water and they're trusting you as an instructor. Well, I remember uh, one time I was uh, teaching this kid um, and there was another instructor in the pool and we were kind of talking back and forth, you know, kind of passing the time as we taught these kids how to swim. And I remember I had my chin on um, his, his forehead, just kind of talking to him. And the other instructor said something to me. I went to go turn 
to the instructor to say something. And as I completed my sentence, I turned back to the kid. The kid sneezed in my mouth. <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting. It was so gross. I should have quit right then and there. I don't think I've ever experienced anything as disgusting as that. Even being a father of three kids, that there's nothing that has been more disgusting in my life than experiencing a kid sneezing in my mouth. Um, just absolutely gross. But I don't tell you that story to like, it's just a funny story. I tell you that story because it reminded me so much of the positioning as an instructor I had with the child, keeping my chin on his forehead, speaking to him, holding him tightly enough to where he knew I was there, but trusting the water, also trusting me. I think part of what we're figuring out as people of Jesus And if you're listening to this and you're not a person that is in a relationship with Jesus or in following Jesus, I think what we're trying to figure out as humans is how to trust. And if you're a follower, how to trust God in the midst of chaos. And even when it's not chaotic and we're just floating in life and the waters are calm, how do we trust that God is still there? How do we keep our focus? How do we keep our gaze? How do we keep our eyes on him, our hearts, affection on him? And so over the next few weeks, we are going to sit under some teaching that hopefully will help us refocus ourselves to reorient ourselves back into the things of God. Now, as we go through these few weeks, I have to um, give you a caveat some of this may not feel good. Some of this may hurt. It may hurt our pride. It may hurt our ego. It may hurt what we think is our identity. Some of this is going to challenge us. It's going to challenge our ideologies. It's going to challenge our theology. It's going to challenge our conv- you know, convictions on life. And therefore, it, this could be one of those things that really convicts us convicts us to really consider what it means to follow Jesus as we refocus, again, our heart's affection and our eyes' attention on him. But my hope is after these three weeks, our, again, our gaze will be upon him, that we will consider and live out what that looks like to follow Jesus. Now I'm going to read these verses again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse verses one through three, just so again, I read it at the top, but just so we kind of get context of what the author is saying here. So I'm going to read it again. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, we don't actually know who the writer of Hebrews is. We, a lot of scholars, a lot of theologians believe, and again, this is debatable, believe it it might be Paul. We don't know. It does make sense if we want to get to true 
argumentation over it, it would make sense that it is Paul that is writing this as somebody who was a Pharisee, an Israelite, Hebrew. He would have had Hebrew theology. And so it makes sense that he would be writing this to recently converted Hebrews to the way or to Christianity. And so it does make sense. But again, we do not know who actually wrote it. But the writer of Hebrews is coming off of probably one of the most famous chapters in the New Testament, um, specifically in the writings outside of the Gospels, chapter 11. Now, what is significant about chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews? It is known as the chapter, as the hall of faith. Now, as a Hebrew, as somebody who would have been reading this letter Chapter 11 would have been vitally important to providing encouragement, exhortation, and evidence of what chapter 12 is going to hold. So it is a precursor to say, hey, listen, what I'm about to say is vitally important to your life. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you that it's vitally important by showing you all of the individuals who came before you who did not have the chance, did not have the chance to see the saving work of Christ, but who still had faith. And so this, this chapter 12, or chapter 11, I'm sorry, it, it displays the forefathers, how they endured hardship, how they endured suffering, that life did not always go the way that they would plan, even though they were faithful followers of, of Yahweh, of God. But it shows us, and it showed them, that they could live their lives in freedom, knowing that regardless of persecution they experienced as followers of God, or hardship, or suffering, that someday, someday in eternity and beyond, that they would experience the fullness of Christ in eternity. Listen to what the last few verses in chapter 11 say. Verses 39 and 40 it says, These were all committed for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So again, the writer of Hebrews is wanting the people to know, hey, I've included all of these people in the hall of faith. These were all of our forefathers. This provides evidence. And yet, even with their faith, none of them actually received what was promised to them, which was the Savior. But the goodness of who Christ is, is that he includes them in the saving work of Christ. Now, that's a different theological conversation for a different day. I don't want us to land on that. But I do think as we read the book of Hebrews, as the author of the book of Hebrews is wanting to remind his readers to refocus their gaze, I believe we can take some lessons from the writer to allow us to refocus, allow us to reorient our something. So if we're going to go into this year, if we're going to go into 2023, we're going to kickstart our year by refocusing on Christ. We need to do two things. The first thing is this. In order to refocus, 
You need to throw out everything that hinders. Again, look what it says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Notice in this verse, the writer includes everything that hinders. Yes, sin hinders us, but there are some unnecessary things that we are in our heads about and our hearts about that are hindering us from experience the full glory and weight of who he is in our lives. Think about it. When you swim, any unnecessary friction in the water will cause you to slow down. When you run, any unnecessary weight that you carry will slow you down. I think some of us that are listening to this podcast right now, we are running this race of life with so much baggage. We are carrying so much weight around thinking, well, I can do it. I can carry this load. I can carry this weight of anxiety. I can carry this weight of depression. I can carry this weight of lust. I can carry this weight of, 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 of worry. Listen, stop carrying the weight of things in life that Jesus already paid for. That he already wanted and desired to take from you at the cross of Christ. If you don't believe me, let's just read Hebrews chapter two. For this reason, he being God had made, had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus suffering, even when he was tempted 40 days in the desert, even on the cross, it allowed us to, to understand the expression of his love. That even in his own temptation, even in his own suffering, it allowed us to understand the expression of his love. That he, 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 he displayed that love because he related to us. And ultimately through his death, through his burial and resurrection, it allows us and gives us access and the ability to give everything that hinders us from experiencing the fullness of who Jesus is. It allows us to give it up to him. It allows us to take it off and once and for all, leave it at the foot of Christ. I have a uh, pastor friend of mine here in Tampa, incredible man of God. He's a little bit younger than I am and he planted a church here in Tampa, incredible church. He, him and his wife and their staff and their community are doing incredible things for the gospel in a, in a very, really honestly difficult economic area. And it, the church is growing in depth. It's growing in width. And I remember um, 
meeting with him a few months ago and I was really struggling with worry. Now you're probably saying, well, Chris, like you're a pastor, you shouldn't struggle with these things. Hey, by the way, if Jesus was tempted and if he suffered with his things, I am no different. In fact, I'm probably lower than that, right? So I was really struggling with this idea of worry. I, I didn't know where life was going. I didn't know how the ministry was gonna pan out. I did, I, there was a lot of questions. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, Chris, you need to put that worry in a worry box. And I was like, what? Again, I like to control outcomes. I like to control certain situations. I like to control because I, I, it's just, I, I don't know if it's a firstborn nature. I don't know what it is about that, but I worry. And so I want to control things. And so he was like, you need to put that in a worry box and you need to trust that the Lord is going to take care of it. And I'm like, well, what's a worry box? It's like, he's like, dude, listen, anytime you have a worry, write that worry down on a piece of card, uh, a piece of paper and put it in a box. And every time you start to worry about it, you bring it out, you read that worry and you basically say, God, I don't trust you with this. And you put it back in the worry box. Because in the worry is where God works. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty, dude, that's pretty awesome. That's so how I started doing that. I started every time I have a worry, I put it in my worry box. And when the moments come about where I, I need to take it out, and I start worrying about it again, I read it and I say, God, I don't trust you. And I put it back knowing that when I put it in the worry box, God is going to work on it. Some of us need to create this box. Some of us need to trust that God is working in the midst of our worry. For you, it may not be worry that so easily entangles you from the fullness of God. For some of you, it's as serious as you have a porn addiction. You have an anxiety addiction. And again, I, I don't mean anxiety from an actual medical issue. I mean anxiety in the sense of you want to control every aspect of your life and not willing to give up control to the God who is in control. Maybe for some of you, it's a deep, deep, deep hurt that you have just pushed to the recesses of your soul and you haven't given up to God. For this year, 2023, in order to refocus our eyes, attention, and our heart's affection on God, you need to throw out everything that hinders you from experiencing the fullness of Jesus. Secondly, in order to refocus, you need to have the right alignment fixing our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12 says. Your posture matters. Your positioning matters. I've been sharing in the midst of this message and interweaving this theme of swimming as you swim, any position that is not streamlined, that is not in a correct position, 
will cause you to slow down and affect the outcome of the race you may be in and as well as your time. There are, uh, when you swim, there are black lines on the, the bottom of the pool. And the point of those black lines is to keep your eyes focused on it, to keep your chin down and in the right position. When I first started to, to learn how to teach people how to swim, I had a coach. I remember swimming some and she was like, Chris, your eyes are up. It's slowing you down. You're not in the correct position. Keep your chin down. And so I had to learn how to keep my chin down as I swim. Same thing. She's like, with, with, with breathing, she's like, hey, your technique, your positioning is off. It's slowing you down. Here's the correct posture. Here's the correct position. I, I realized I need to learn how to do that in swimming. To speed up and streamline my positioning so that I could run the race. I could swim the race as quickly as I could. But as we progress in life, as we continue on this journey, we get tired, we get exhausted. What happens at the first moment we start to get exhausted? What happens when we hit that fourth quarter of life and exhaustion starts to wear in? We're, we're positioning our posture. It changes. We want to quit and we want to give up. But I can't, I can't encourage you enough when you keep your eyes on Jesus, when, you, when you're fixated on him, Regardless of the goal, regardless of the exhaustion you feel in life, the worry, your hurts, your habits, your hangups, regardless, you will experience the goodness of Jesus. Why? Because your eyes are set on him. Our pastor this past Sunday, man, he had an incredible quote. I love from this message. He said this, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, your thoughts follow. Your thoughts are powerful. And when you have the right alignment, when your eyes are fixated on Jesus, your thoughts will follow and will be fixated on Jesus. See, the power of your thought matters. Why? Because how you think about the world will be how you view the world. How you think about life will be how you view life. How you think about Jesus and God will be how you view Jesus and God. Your thoughts have power to either destroy you or to build you up in the things of God. According to the Cleveland Clinic, now they study the brain did several, several months, years of research on the brain. They said this, your brain determines every aspect of your life. And without your brain, there is no self and no awareness of the world. 
Your brain is a three-pound universe that processes 70,000 thoughts each day using 100 billion neurons that connect at more than 500 trillion points through synapses that travel 300 miles an hour. The signals that travel through these interconnected neurons from the basis of memories, thoughts, and feelings. Let me say that one more time. The signals that travel through these interconnected neurons form the basis of your memories, thoughts, and feelings. Your thoughts, they show up because of your alignment, your posture. For some of us, I think we're confused about the difference between a posture of surrender and a posture of stubbornness. Some of us have a posture of stubbornness. We are digging our heels in with God. We don't want to change the way we are. We don't want to give up certain things. We don't want to surrender our desires, our dreams. We don't want to surrender our lives to him. That could be for a myriad of reasons. It could be because of control issues. It could be because we don't trust Jesus. It could be because of a lot of things. But I think that we have been taught, especially in the West, especially in America, that surrender is actually not good. We don't like to give up. We don't like to surrender. Now, I think that when we talk about surrender, we equate it with weakness. But when we think about Jesus, Jesus in his greatest weakness, which was surrendering to God's will for his life to go on the cross, it became our greatest strength. In case you're unfamiliar with the word surrender, which we've heard the word, but do we know what the word means? This is what it said in dictionary.com. It says to give oneself up as into the power of another, to submit or to yield. Jesus knew posture mattered. And when we're in a posture of surrender, it allows us to refocus our thoughts our eyes, and ultimately our lives on him. See, because when Jesus surrendered his life, he surrendered his own way. He surrendered his own plans. Luke chapter 22 tells us this. This is right before he goes to the cross. He's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. It says this in verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, talking about the disciples, knelt down and prayed. Listen to what Jesus's prayer was to his father in heaven. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me, he says. He goes on, yet not my will, but yours be done. Listen to that prayer one more time that Jesus has. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours. Jesus, man, his desire seems like, man, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to have to die. Take this cup from me. But I love his posture of surrender here. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And yes, Jesus goes 
He goes to the cross for us. He dies for us to atone for our sin, to make up for our sin. He fixed his eyes on Jesus because his alignment, or on God, because his alignment was right. Some of us need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to surrender. We need to have a posture of giving up control and allowing him to lead. Some of you need to begin this year by refocusing your alignment, refocusing your thoughts, refocusing your eyes, and throwing off everything that is keeping you from Jesus. What if this year you made that intentional effort? What if you made that intentional effort right now to begin this year with a posture of surrender? As you refocus your eyes, attention, and your heart's affection on him. Well, that was part one of a three-part series on refocus, focusing our mind, refocusing our body, focusing our soul on the things of Jesus this year in 2023. And again, man, what did that look like for you to, to refocus this year? As I mentioned at the top of this episode, we are in a 21-day prayer journey. Now, if you were unable to make it to our Tuesday night gathering, you can still participate with us. Go to our Instagram page at the Harbor BHC. And in the highlight section, every day we're going to add to the journey. So you can join the journey with us. It's super simple. There's a scripture verse and a prayer that you can pray. And I hope as you go through these three weeks on this prayer journey that you will start experiencing more of the fullness of God. You'll start refocusing your mind, refocusing your body, refocusing your soul on the things of Jesus and that you yourself will grow deeper. So make sure you uh, follow us on at the Harbor BHC on Instagram. We would love for you to do that. Very excited. Next week, we have a special guest that is going to be bringing God's word. Our very own Pastor Matthew Hartsfield is going to be on the Continuing the Conversation podcast. So I'm very excited about that. So make sure you join us next week for part two of Refocus here on the Continuing the Conversation podcast. Love you. We'll see you next time. I'm out. <laughs>